couple of weeks ago, Hillary and I took our kids to the beach for spring break. And while we were down there, we got together with some friends one night and uh, cooked out behind this, this house together. And on that night, uh, one of the young men from uh, this, another family came up to me and he asked me if, if I would baptize him. And uh, this is a man that I, a young man that I had met with actually before, a few months ago to talk about baptism. And so I knew that he had trusted Christ. We had talked about the symbolism of baptism, how it's a, a public profession of an inward reality, something that's already true. And so I said, man, I'd be glad to. And we, he wanted to do it in the pool behind the house. And so we were excited about doing that. And, and uh, as we got finished talking, his best buddy then came up to me. TJ came up to me and, and he asked if he could be baptized. And so I sat down with TJ and we talked about uh, baptism and what it means, and he, he shared his, his testimony with me, how he had trusted Christ and what God was doing in his life, and so he was all good, and so, so now we had two that were going to be baptized, and then when I got finished with TJ, two other middle school kids came up to me, another family, a, a boy and a girl, sixth grader and an eighth grader, and, and they asked to be baptized, so I said, sure, great, and so we sat down, I sat down with them, and and we talked it through, same deal. We talked it through what, what a relationship with Christ means and what some uh, baptism means, et cetera. And you know, I finished with them. And then my son came up to me and he asked me if he could be baptized. And uh, this, this, this part shook me just a little bit. And it shook me because I've, I've always kind of had this, these expectations, this plan in my mind where, where I'd have some time to think about what I want to say to him. And I've always said to him, hey, when you're ready to articulate your faith to whoever's around, then, then you can get up, share why you want to be baptized. That, that'll be good. And so I had these things, kind of these mixed emotions going in my head. And, and so I'm kind of I'm half trying to talk him out of it. He's 10. And I kind of have tried to talk him out of it. So I, I said to him, I said, well, are you caught up in the emotion at all? You know, the old, these older boys that are your friends. No, dad, you know, I've been wanting to be baptized. And that's true. We've been talking about it actually for a couple of years already. And, and so he's, I want to be baptized. Okay, well, uh, you know, uh, have you thought about like where you might want to do it? You want to do it at church or a party on the lawn or, you know, some friends? No, dad, I, I want to do it here with these friends. And, and tonight and I said, well, okay, well, tell me why you want to be baptized. And he just shared this beautiful articulation of the face. Dad, I was, I was born a sinner. I know that. I, I, I know that Christ came because the penalty for sin is death. And he came, he lived a perfect life and he died for my sin. And he rose from the grave, proven his power over sin and death, his victory over sin and death. I've placed my trust in Christ and, and I'm ready to be baptized. And then he looked at me and he said, he said, you know, the Bible says, dad, if you've trusted Christ, you are, bab you are to be baptized. Well, I can't argue with that. I mean, my God, <laughs> my gosh, I'm in big trouble here. And so I said, all right, go get your mom and maybe she'll talk you out of it. No, go get your mom and uh, we'll pray about it. So he, he, he got Hillary and we came, she came out and we prayed about it. It's just the countenance of God, was just, the spirit of God was just all over him. His countenance was just glowing. And Dad, I feel so connected when we pray and it's time. And I said, buddy, you're right, it's time. And so the, fi the five of us went, me, six, six, six of us went, and we got in the pool and uh, I got to share a little bit about baptism with all the adults and the other kids. And they shared a little bit about why they wanted to be baptized. We had the adults and some of the other kids and friends share a little bit about each of them, the, the life of Christ that they saw in them. It was really a sweet moment. And then last, my son got in the water with me and he, he came out and, and, and he joined me and we all shared a little bit about him. And then I looked at him at the end and I told him, I said, you know, when Jesus Christ was baptized, 
The Spirit of God descended upon him, and, and certainly you have the Spirit of God with you because you've placed your trust in Christ. That's a promise to us. And then the Father's voice came out of heaven, authoritative, bold, powerful voice of God. The Father came out of heaven and he said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so I looked at my Son and I said, and you are my Son. And I couldn't get the rest out. <laughs> in whom I am well pleased. It was absolutely an incredible night. Unexpected, but incredible night. I have a picture so you guys can see us in the water. Four middle schoolers to my right and wit to my left there. And uh, what a sweet night it was. A night that we'll never forget. Uh, a special night, a place to be baptized that we'll never forget. Uh, maybe Witt will take his family back there someday and, and show him where he was he was baptized. It was an incredible, unexpected blessing from God. And, you know, when we turn to the book of Revelation, which we are this morning, we see in the very first chapter, and Michael said this in, in chapter one, he, he talked about this, this one verse that we find there. And I'm going to throw it up on the screen behind me, but it, it says this. It, it says that, that we are blessed. Blessed is the one who hears and reads and the words of prophecy, and he heeds the things which are written in it for the time is near. And, and we know this, that the book of Revelation is the only book in the entire Bible that promises blessing to those who read, hear, and heed it. It's the only book in the whole Bible that does that. Well, that was the beginning, first week, first weekend of January, and today is the end, uh, the last message in our study of the book of Revelation, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation that we've called Seven Letters to Seven Churches. And if you're a guest with us today, or if you haven't been around fellowship for very long, this, this service is going to be a little bit different than the norm a little bit different than what we usually do. My role today is as the setup man, and you actually are going to help us to conclude the series. I don't know how many of you follow the game of baseball, but there is a setup man in baseball. So starting pitcher, there is a setup man, there is a closer, a, a closing pitcher. So the role of the startup or the uh, the starting pitcher is is to uh, pitch well enough that his team gets a lead. And when the team gets a lead, he tries to hold that lead and carry that lead and pitch well enough for as long as he can. And then when he's done, he can't pitch anymore. The, the setup man comes in and it, it's his job to maintain the lead and get it to the closer, to set up the guy who's going to come in and close the game. And the closer is usually a fastball pitcher, comes in, throws a bunch of fastballs, tries to strike everybody out and slam the door on the win. Today, I am the setup man and you are the closure. Closer, okay? I, I'm going to get us pointed in the right direction, and then I'm going to ask you to help us bring it home. And here's how we're going to do that. I, I'm going to do a review of, of the first three chapters. I'll spend some time talking about Jesus in the first chapter and then make some comments about each of the seven churches. I'll review it, and then uh, I'm going to ask us to take a card out that's in our program. And you can grab it now if you want, or you can grab it in a few minutes, either way. But there's a card in your program, and I'm going to help us with this, but I'm going to walk us through some categories so that we can think about God's blessings in our lives over the course of our study in Revelation. And Michael said at the very beginning, he said, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what God does in our lives, how he blesses us as we read and hear and heed the words of this book. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity just to jot down some thoughts, to think through ways that God may have blessed you over the course of the last three months. 
Uh, it's hard for us to think about what happened yesterday, much less the last 12 weeks. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help us think through that a little bit, and I'll guide us along that way. And then I'm going to have you just grab one of those uh, and, and write it at the bottom of that card, one of the ways that God has blessed you. And then I'm going to ask several of you to, to read your card, j- just to read your card. And, and here's why we would do that. Two reasons. One is because we are a community of faith, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And when we speak of the goodness of God, how he's growing us and changing us and blessing us, that is of great encouragement to the rest of us. Paul in Ephesians, he says, we we are to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We are to encourage one another in the faith. It gives us hope. And so we do it for hope. And and we know when we do it, that we're in it together, that we are walking this life of faith together in a world that is growing more steadily opposed to it. We're together in it. So we connect, we, we share in each other's joys and sorrows. We connect around pain. We are made alive with hope. We know that we are not alone. And you guys can do that for one another in, the, in a way that Michael Lloyd and I can't. It's just different hearing someone speak of the blessing of God, their gratitude for the blessing of God, just, who's just down the road. It's just, it's just different. And the Holy Spirit uses that in a way that is different from us teaching up here. So it's, it's good to have some of both. The second reason is that it glorifies God. When we declare his worth, his goodness, his sovereignty, his supremacy in our lives, when we declare that to one another, that is the, one of the ways that we most glorify God. And the church exists to glorify God. And so we do that with one another. We're bold with what he's done in us to one another and to the community around us that he might be praised and honored. So that's why we end this way. That's why we do what we do. Okay. Uh, Now, from this series, we know this. We know that the church in Asia, these seven churches, which just remember this, that these seven churches reflect the whole church from then all the way to today, they reflect our church. So Jesus is speaking to the church. And we know that these particular seven churches are suffering under intense persecution and opposition. And it's gotten so intense that the church has gotten pretty discouraged. They've gotten discouraged. And because of what's happening around them, they've begun to lose sight of the end, to lose sight of the return, the promised return of Jesus Christ. And so in this moment, Jesus intervenes. And he intervenes to reveal himself, to reveal more of who he is in a way that he hasn't before. And he intervenes to speak, to say something to the church. He commends the church. He rebukes the church. He exhorts the church. And he makes promises to the church to bless them. And so that's where we pick it up this morning. If you want to open your Bible, you can. I'll be in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. And I'm going to move pretty quickly as, uh, as a summary of chapter one and then working through these, these seven churches as we go through chapters two and three. But you can look at the detail if you'd like to as I go, as I go through it. That'd be great. First chapter is all about the impeccable character of Jesus Christ. You remember, he is the faithful witness to God. 
He is the firstborn of the dead. That is, he is the first to be resurrected from the dead. And all of us will be resurrected with him to life eternal. He's the firstborn of the dead. He is the ruler of kings, ruler of all the earth. And he is the one who is coming with the clouds. This is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. You might remember this very specific, detailed description of Jesus. It's found in verses 13 to 17. It says, his hair was like like white wool. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze. His voice like the sound of many waters. And we said that we have to pay attention to the symbolic meaning of the language in the book of Revelation. This is not what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus is like. He is wise, white hair, the wisdom of age. He sees to and fro about the earth. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful. He's stable and he's steadfast. He will not be moved. He is brilliant and glorious and majestic. He is in fact sovereign in control and he is in fact supreme above all else. And John leaves us at the end of chapter one standing in awe of Jesus Christ. And it is this Jesus then that speaks to his church. And as you listen to his words to his church, you might just think about which of these churches you identify with the most. Which of these people do you identify with most? Beginning with the church in Ephesus, he commends them for their perseverance and for their endurance. But he tells them that they have lost their first love. Other things have gotten in the way of the most important thing, that is loving Jesus, the distractions of life. Their priorities have become confused. How many of us struggle with this? How many of us are like the people in this church? I would suggest that there are a bunch of us, including me. And yet, Jesus continues to pursue them. Lost their first love, but Jesus pursues. He convicts, he exhorts, he loves that the church might know paradise with him in eternity. What a promise. To the church in Smyrna, This is a church who is suffering unrelenting persecution and unrelenting poverty. And Jesus says to them, church in Smyrna, you are rich. What? Yeah, you are rich. I know that you have a number of physical needs, but you are spiritually rich because you have been faithful to me. Spiritually rich rich because of your faithfulness to me. And he says this to them. He says, you will continue to suffer on account of me. And maybe that's where some of you are. You've been in a season of ongoing suffering. Maybe you're wondering where God is. Well, listen to what he says to this church. You may continue, you will continue to suffer on account of me, but this suffering is not your end. This suffering is temporary. It's not your end or their end. For even if you die, Jesus says, you will receive the crown of life. Life everlasting. 
He commends the church in Pergamum for holding fast and not denying the faith. But he rebukes them as well. This is a church that is prone to false teaching and false doctrine. And they're prone to false teaching and false doctrine because they have tried to accommodate the world. They've tried to accommodate the values of the culture. Michael might say it this way. They have let the world teach them theology. And because they've allowed the world to teach them theology, they've gotten confused as to what the truth is. And Jesus invites this church. In fact, he commands them to repent. Then to the church in Thyatira, there is great commendation. You love well, you serve well, you persevere well, you have matured well. Your faith is beautiful to me. This, in fact, is a great church. But there's a word of grave warning to them as well. For they too have tolerated false teaching and immorality. They've allowed immorality that comes from this false teaching. You might remember the name Jezebel. This is the woman who is teaching in this church false doctrine. They've allowed that to sift and pour into the lives of, the, of their own hearts, their own lives, and it's becoming extended. The exterior of that is manifesting itself in, in immorality. And Jesus exhorts them to hold fast to the truth. Hold fast, not to what is false, but to what is true. Remember the truth from which you began. And he says, for if you do, I promise to give you authority. Authority over all the rulers and all the nations and all the earth. Authority with me. Thyatira was, was the smallest church, the smallest group of Christians. And to that small few, Jesus promises authority over the whole. It's incredible, even to this church. He tells the church in Sardis to wake up. Uh, you, th you think you're alive. And everybody else thinks you're alive. You look the part, but you are actually dead. You're just going through the motions. Church, community, just going through the motions. And just going through the motions, that can be lethal. You are lukewarm. And I, I would rather you be cold than lukewarm, sick. And Jesus says to them, I, I want you to remember where you started. Remember what you have received and keep it. For if you do, I will be your greatest advocate before the Father. Your name will be on my lips. By the way, this is actually not the church that is lukewarm. It's coming in just a minute. But they were lukewarm in this way. They were lukewarm in their pursuit of the truth. They allowed, they were permissive to other things. But God says to them, Jesus says, if you'll remember where you started, I will be your greatest advocate, okay? Church in Philadelphia. Now, this is a church that kept the word of God. It's a church that did something that none of the other churches did. They kept the word of God. And there is no rebuke for this church. In fact, Jesus opens a door of opportunity for them. Remember this, he opens doors and he shuts doors. He holds the keys to the door. He opens a door of opportunity to them to extend the reach of the gospel and to be a light in their culture. 
It's a very unique opportunity to come alongside where Jesus is already at work to walk through the door of opportunity and join him in further influence. And he says to them, if and when you walk through this door, you need to know that Satan will oppose it strongly. Satan will come against you, yet I promise you that in the end, I will make all your enemies bow at your feet, all of them. You will have a stable place, security in the presence of God, like pillars in the holy temple. You will bear my name. You will revel in my city forever. And then finally, number seven to the church at Laodicea, he says, you think you're rich. You think you're wealthy. You think you need nothing, but you are wrong. You are wretched you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. And this, in fact, is the church that is lukewarm. And Jesus says, there is no neutral with me. Your lukewarmness is appalling to me, and I will spit you out of my mouth. But he doesn't turn his back on them. He rebukes them strongly. But he says to them this, I discipline you because I love you. Because I want the best for you. In fact, if you listen to me, I will continue to avail myself to you. I will come in and dine with you and you will sit with me on my throne. These are sobering, convicting, humbling in hopeful words of Jesus Christ to his church. Words of grave warning and words of incredible blessing. Did you notice that every rebuke, every rebuke did not come without the pursuit of his people? Did you notice that? Was it any rebuke without his pursuit of their good? Did you notice this? Did you notice that every exhortation came with the promise of redemption. Did you notice that? Those two things walked hand in hand. Did you notice that everything that he requires of the church today, it only points to the triumphant victory of the church in the end. Did you notice that? These are words of blessing. Every commendation, every rebuke, every exhortation, and every promise, a word of blessing to the church. And I want us to take a few minutes to think about God's blessing in our own lives. So I want you to take out that card, take a look at that card. And I'm going to invite you to consider some ways that God may have been blessing you during the course of our study of the book of Revelation. I mentioned this, it can be hard to think about. So let me give you some categories that might help. And as I talk, you just write. Just jot down a word, a phrase, anything that comes to your mind, anything that the Spirit of God brings to your mind that reflects gratitude for God's blessing in your life. Where has God been blessing you? Just jot these down as I go. Now, when we think about God's blessings, we tend to think about, we almost always go to the good things in our lives. And I certainly want you to include those good things. Uh, Special moments, Ways that God has provided for you, 
a friendship that has been really meaningful maybe in this season. Maybe it was something unexpected like mine, an incredible unexpected blessing from God as I stood with my boy in that pool. I want you to think in those categories. Where, where have you experienced joy or hope or gladness in, in recent weeks? Take just a minute to think about that category. God's goodness to you. Jot some notes down. You can keep writing, but we go to those good things. But I also want us to think about a very different category. I want us to think about blessings that haven't felt like blessings. Blessings that don't feel like blessings. Blessings that maybe only can be seen when looking back. Blessings in the midst of hard circumstances challenging relationships, suffering or pain. It might only be seen when we're kind of getting to the other end of it, or they, they may, the blessings in that may, may only be seen as little gifts along the way. It feels like this is overwhelming, and maybe it is overwhelming, but there's little gifts in it, little moments of hope, little rays of, of light, Maybe just a word of comfort or just a moment of relief or a place that you see the, the tangible nature, the character of God. And think about it in those terms. What are some of the blessings in your life that haven't felt like blessings? Take just a minute to think about that category. One of the things that is helpful for me when I think about ways God has blessed me is to think about places I've felt strong emotion. Maybe you've been sad. And I just ask you, what is it that God is doing in your sadness, in the midst of that pain? Where, where do you see God at work in that? Or maybe you've been angry, been frustrated or disappointed or, dis, or discouraged. What, what's underneath the anger? What, what's, what's God doing in the anger in you? Maybe you've experienced a lot of grief. It's been a, a kind of a remarkable season of loss over the last few months in our church. And maybe you've been associated with someone who's, who's passed or you've been near to the people who've lost a loved one. Where, where has God shown up in that? Just to give you a moment of, of, of comfort or to feel loved or understood or cared for in that grief. Maybe it was a person that came alongside. Many times what is buried in our emotions are the places that God is making himself known to us. So let me give you just another minute. Think about that category. Think about it all, good things, hard things, and the blessings of God. Jot, jot down those, just as many as you can think of.
Okay, now I just want you to pick one. doesn't have to be the perfect one. doesn't have to be worded perfectly. Just, just pick one of those things, one of those ways that, that God has, has blessed you. Grab one of those things and write it at the bottom of your card. Just in those two lines at the bottom of your card. Just, just a brief sentence. It might sound something like this. I, I, I was recently diagnosed with cancer or some illness. God, God has blessed me along the way. It's been a very difficult time. He's blessed me along the way through a close friend who's just been present. Hadn't needed to say anything, but it's just been there and I know praying for me. Or uh, Maybe it's just, you know, my, my grandmother celebrated her 95th birthday and I'm just so grateful, been so blessed by her spiritual godly leadership in my own life. Or I'm having a challenging time with one of my kids and it feels overwhelming to me. I've grown anxious about it and and yet, I, I've seen the hand of God just in a few small ways. And I, I just hope and pray and believe that that will continue. So, something like that, depending on what your blessing is. Write that down at the bottom of your card. Now, I'm going to ask several of you just to, to, to read your card. And, uh, and, and I want you to know this. You, you hold up your hand. We'll get a mic to you. We want to hear you. You might hold the mic up close to your lips as you speak. And, and I, I just I want you to know that, that we do this. Just let me remind you that we do this to encourage one another. This is not about you, okay? It's not about what somebody thinks about what you say. This is our offering of God's goodness. And may that be just a sweet aroma as we share across the room. Who would like to read their card or share? I will ask you to be brief so a bunch of us can do it. Dennis, thanks. Um, just a quick preface. Uh, when I retired three years ago, one of the prayers that I made on a regular basis was for God to provide me with an opportunity to serve him um, I had done a lot of giving of money and wealth and riches, but I hadn't given my time. So three years ago, uh, God blessed me with the opportunity to serve him by serving other people, by working with uh, the United Way to prepare their, their uh, taxes for them at no cost. It's a blessing indeed. Somebody else. Got one? Yeah, great. Okay. Okay. So, um, basically, the way I've seen God working in my life was just recently, this spring break, um, Fellowship Student Ministry had this thing called the Flannel Project, and it was um, where we basically got to go to Atlanta, and we um, went to these apartment complexes, and... Um, it just kind of helps you, and we taught these kids at the apartment complexes basically about the Bible and about Jesus because 
here is like our Brentwood bubble or Tennessee or Franklin bubble, whatever you want to call it. Mm. It's just there's so much churches and so much Christianity here that it's hard to believe that there's not a lot in the world. And when you just go out, like even just barely outside of Tennessee, you can see how much that people don't know about God and how much you can do to help. Mm. Just really help you see that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Somebody else jump up. Got one? Great. Not working. Here you go. Right here. Oh, okay. Trade you. Thank you. Okay, so since this is an opportunity for me to actually get to talk, and I don't know a whole lot of people at my school. Oh, my gosh. I know a lot of people. Okay. Um, what I wrote was, um, God has blessed me by putting me in an environment that tests my faith, by bringing me to know and befriend the broken. He has blessed me with my own experience of loss of faith and feeling broken, so that now, since I have seen his great grace that has pursued me, I may be a light to those around me and reveal that God will always pursue them in me as stubborn as we all are. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It's great. It's this red one that's not hot. Right back there. And right here too. Somebody right here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you first. Yeah. Um, coming into this um, re- study on Revelation, I was just drowning in deep grief. Um, um, I don't know if anyone knows anything about parental alienation, um, but I haven't gotten to speak to two of my children in over two years. Um, and going into this, reading the character of Jesus, that he is the faithful witness. He is the witness of my life and knows everything everything that's gone on, the fact that he's the resurrection and the fact that he's the one that if he opens a door, no one can close it. That was such comfort to me that if somebody is trying to close a door that Jesus has opened for me, Mm. they're fighting a force that they cannot win. Mm. And at any moment, Jesus can take something that was dead and bring it back to life. Mm-hmm. That is a comfort to a mother. Mm-hmm. And I just have rejoiced so much. And when you go through some of these things, you know, sometimes when we go through situations, um, people say, well, what did you do? Um, and there's a shame that is placed on this. You know, if somebody's abused, well, what did you do um, to be abused? Or If your children aren't speaking to you, what did you do? And one morning, I was before church. I was having my quiet time, and I heard God so clearly, today is going to be for you. And it was the church of Smyrna. Mm. And I have seen your suffering. And then he did it again on the week of Philadelphia. Mm. And there was no condemnation from him. And it just was so powerful Mm. for me that he met me in such a deep place. Yeah. And through his character, let me know that he sees, he's in control, he can raise it in a spot. 
you know, and a lot can happen in three days. That's been my saying through the Easter season. You know, when I, when it gets unbearable, I think I just have to get through today. That's right. Because a lot can happen in three days. Mm-hmm. So true. And you all will rejoice with me someday when this door is flung wide open. Yes, we will. Thank you. Is that working? All right, good. A month ago today, uh, my daughter Haley was in a coma in the intensive care unit at Vandy. And after eight days in a coma, the doctor told us it was time to give her back to God the Father forever. After day 11, we got a miracle. Mm. And God decided again to show his favor that we don't deserve and his grace and his mercy. And he gave her back her full life physically. And now he wants to heal her heart. Mm. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. couple more. Stand up here so I can see you. Great. Right back there. Do we have a mic to you? Is there an usher over there? No? Coming around. One more of you, just raise your hand and we'll grab you right after this one. Right over here, okay, we'll come to you next. How about now, does this work? Yeah, perfect. I've been on a very difficult um, heart journey, journey and heart disease for the past six years. And it was sudden and scary and devastating and... um, the things that I've seen from God in this journey is his faithfulness to me. Um, we moved here out of obedience to what we felt was a calling for my husband's job. And what we discovered is that he was moving me here hmm. for better doctors, for better treatment, for a village of believers to be our support system when we have no family here. Um, He took a very scary, life-threatening time and turned it into an opportunity for me to learn to trust him more. Mm -hmm. And it's it's funny how, you know, when, when all you have left to do is cling to Jesus you learn how tightly you want to cling to him Mm -hmm. and how all the other things, like that song says, become strangely dim. They don't matter. Yeah. Um, So he has increased my faith and um, caused me to trust him more for my life. Yeah, a blessing when it doesn't feel like it. Thank you for saying that. Good. I'm going to go right here, and and then we'll go right there. Is it on? 
Yes. Okay. Um, my best friend uh, took his own life um, back in January, and since then, I've been able to see how God's love and grace can change a community and unite a community mm. in a time of darkness and hardship, yeah. and how it can, even in your hardest time, can shape and change you and make you who you will be for the rest of your life. Wow. And he's shown me that there's such an intense love between people that you don't see on a daily basis, but it's there. Mm. And that when you're in God and with God, it's much more apparent to you. And so through this, th through the hardest part of my life, I've been able to see that there are so many people that love you mm. every day, everywhere, and you just have to recognize it. Mm. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, we lost our two-year-old son, William, um, in December uh, in a tragic accident. And during this... Can you hold this, that mic up just a I'm, little bit? I'm sorry. You're good. You're fine. Uh, during, during this season of, of grief and pain, uh, the struggle has been very difficult for my family, uh, my wife, Jamie, and our daughter, Madeline. Uh, and myself, and of course our extended family. Um, but in the midst of that uh, pain, uh, we have been surrounded by uh, friends, uh, a church family, uh, a group of church leaders that have, uh, just brothers and sisters in Christ that have come around us, uh, lifted us up, picked us up when we didn't want to, and kept us moving forward. Mm. Um, William's loss has been devastating, but it's given us uh, a, a platform and an opportunity to share our faith with uh, groups of people that we never probably would have otherwise, and that's been a blessing throughout this journey, and we're grateful for that. Mm. Your faith has been beautiful, both of you. Is there one more that I missed in here? Good. Okay. Uh, great job. Great job. Thank you for encouraging one another. Uh, thanks to all of you who wrote a note down or thought about something in your head, the place that God has blessed you. I pray that that might pour out of you in words and actions with those around you as you go forward on this day and the days to come. You know, one of the things that is so true is that when God is glorified, it becomes hope solidified in us. We hear those things about the glory of God, the goodness of God. We find our deep hope, don't we? And I want you to stand with me because I'm going to send us out with these words from Paul from the book of Romans chapter 5. He says this, We exalt God in our tribulations knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. A hope that does not disappoint. 
because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us in the midst of it. May we be a people who hear, who read, and who heed the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might be blessed even in today and for eternity to come. Go in peace.